All right, my friends, we are back with yet another episode of Unmuted. And by now, I'm sure that you know the drill, but just in case you forgot, I am Gabby Tokatch, the festival's PR manager. And sitting next to me is CATF's production manager, Trent Kugler, who is the most prepared person I know. Gabby is teasing you with a fascinating episode about our calendar software, Prepared. But that's not what we're here for. Uh, today, we have an interview between Lori Vega and Karen Lee, who were both in Babel this past season. If you also saw the online series that CATF did in 2020, you might remember Lori Vega from the recorded scene that we showed as part of those making of documentaries. And thanks to Mary Ellen J. Ahern, who is both CATF's current board president and the play sponsor of Babel. Additionally, the show is part of the National New Play Network's Rolling World Premiere Program. Try to say that three times fast. Uh, thanks to Mary Ellen and NMPN, both of you. Shout outs and love to you. All right, we're going to hand you off to Hans Vogel, a CATF trustee and former radio host who interviewed Karen Lee and Lori Vega this summer. Babel is a brand new American play running in this year's Contemporary American Theater Festival. It's by Jacqueline Goldfinger, and we're going to talk about the show and some of the characters with actors Karen Lee and Lori Vega, who join us today for the podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and thanks for uh, being willing to share about your characters and your process. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's so exciting to have everyone back in Shepherdstown for the festival this year. I got a chance to see Babel. Really cool show. Uh, and just for, for folks who haven't maybe gotten to, to learn about it, Renee and Danny are expecting. Anne and Jamie are also expecting. And in this futuristic play, we're looking at a society where embryos have to be pre-certified. Each couple has to take test results and, and wait to see what those show and then what the consequences will be asking us how far will we go before we realize we've lost our humanity. Uh, I think it's a show that resonated years ago when it was first selected and resonates even more now. You've gotten to be on stage as our, our conversations about this nationally as a society have, have sort of reshaped our thinking maybe or put us in a different perspective, different place. How's that been as you sort of bring brand new American theater and, and these uh, relevant topics to life? Well, uh, I mean, it's been, it's felt exciting and important from that perspective. This particular play is a rolling world premiere. I don't know if you're aware of that. So mm -hmm. it's had three other productions prior to this. And then I think we're the fourth one. And okay. I think there'll be two more after. I knew rolling. I wasn't sure what, what order we were in, but. I think we're number four, okay. I think. I could be wrong. <laughs> somewhere in there, somewhere in the middle. It's been a busy summer. Yeah, it's been a busy summer. Um yeah, and I'm, as you know, as you mentioned, with the recent Supreme Court passing, uh, there's a line in the play that gets reiterated talking about that and women's right to choose. And now it has a weightier, um, it's a much weightier uh, topic for sure. Um, I don't know, Karen, thoughts? Um, absolutely, a lot of that. But also, I think the the particular stance that the characters take is maybe antithetical to the the current I guess liberal uh, idea of abortion and how it should be kind of uh, I guess not utilized but I mean like how how it can go too far and and how it maybe should be maybe dialed back a little bit 
Whereas I think in, in our current day, we are fighting just to get it to be available. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it is, it is such a different future from the one that we are currently anticipating that maybe it, it feels a little bit foreign. But I mean, if we ever get to that point where we're in, in a position to dial back instead of fight for, I mean, hallelujah. It, it's fascinating to, to have the conversations when, when we left the show to be able to talk about that in the context mm-hmm. of here's where we are, here's where this play puts us, and here's some of the overlapping themes. Uh, and, you know, Renee and Anne, uh, Laurie, you're Anne, Karen, you're playing Renee. The, these characters, uh, I think, explore different aspects of this, talk about some of the different ways that the, the choice, uh, the, the circumstances affect them, affect society. I want to get into the characters and I want to talk a little bit about bringing them to life. But first, can we talk a bit about your backgrounds? I think let uh, let the audience know, know you a little better. Laura, you have an extensive resume on stage and screen. You're an actor, a comedian, experienced doing everything from Shakespeare to musical theater. <laughs> have you enjoyed CATF? Oh, I didn't know I was a comedian. <laughs> according, according to your LinkedIn page. Oh, oh, don't pay attention to LinkedIn. <laughs> Um, it's like an event planner, even. I was like, man, that's awesome. Oh, oh, Multi-talented. Oh, wow, I never even go on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I have, have been living in New York City for close to two decades, just shy of that. And yeah, I studied theater in undergrad. I, I mean, basically through all my childhood, I was involved in the theater arts. And then I apprenticed at Actors Theater of Louisville and then moved to New York shortly thereafter. And then I did a postgrad in London. And so, yeah, I've just been working on and off everywhere regionally for close to 20 years or so now. So, yeah. That's and really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been. And New York's a great place for that, but it sounds like you've certainly gone all over the world to, uh, to shape your craft. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yes. I've Europe the, London, and... abroad, um, all over the country. Um, and, uh, just two decades worth of just working on on my craft and my career. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it has its challenges, but. Sure. Yeah. What, what's the difference between, and, and this is sort of a uh, behind the scenes stuff, but a festival like this where you come and take up residence and, and focus on these intense plays versus doing maybe a TV show or, or yeah. a play at a, a single theater? Well, I mean, versus TV, um, you sort of go for like a day or a week even, and you sort of focus on whatever scene it is or scenes you're called to be on set for, and then you go home. And then even in the city sometimes, like, you know, you know, you build camaraderie with your uh, creative team and your cast, but you're sort of still kind of, you know, wrapped up in your daily life. But when you go, at least for re- a lot of regional projects, you're kind of out you you sort of get a respite from the city and you're sort of in a in a bubble sometimes at least it has been in my experience and it can be very it is very all-encompassing and all-consuming we're all here together on campus working you know very intensely on you know new plays coming out of the pandemic so it can be intense um and at the same time though it's nice to just focus and not have any other distractions like uh, on the work at hand um, and just know that this is what the task at hand that you have for the festival for like the next eight weeks or so. So it's a different experience as opposed to like, you know, working on something in the city or going on set and, um, it's less all consuming, I would say. 
And it's, you know, you mentioned that post-pandemic feel. Uh, that, that's Has it been interesting to... There's an intensity that it brings, <laughs> but I think, I don't think it's just, I think it's everywhere. I truly do. I think everyone wants to be back up. Everyone wants to see theater. Everyone wants to, to get back to normal. But in order to get back to normal, there's still, there's still a healing process and, and a new process that needs to be developed and at hand. So I think there's, you know, s- some anxiety involved in that. And so I think, I think it's across the board. I don't think it's special just to one area or the other. I think it's true across all of the industry. Karen, you're a trained actor, a dancer as well. You've worked on stage. You've worked as a choreographer for a variety of shows. Uh, talk about your experience here at CATF and, and what led you here with your career. So I, very similar to Lori, I was in New York before the pandemic, not nearly as long. I was there for about eight years. And while I was there, I was working in a lot of uh, immersive theater. I think we can all imagine auditioning in New York City as a Asian American dancer actor is challenging. Um, I, I don't often get into a room where I am auditioning for a part like the one that I'm playing for this festival. And, um, I actually got this audition very last minute. Um, I was in a festival in Baltimore immediately before this, and one of the girls in that cast forwarded me the casting call for for this particular festival. Um, That was on a Friday night, and the email had indicated that the auditions were happening the next day. So I emailed back that night on Friday night at about 11 p.m., Um, and by the next afternoon, I had my audition slot booked for the evening. Um, and so I did that audition on on the Saturday. I did the callback on the Sunday and then I packed all my stuff on Monday and arrived on Tuesday. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, like I, you know, talk about whirlwind. I like didn't even have a, a second to think about like what exactly I was jumping into or, or like what it would all entail. Um, At that particular moment, I was slated to understudy three tracks. Um, And I had done some understudy work before for musical theater mostly, um, but as as a dancer. Um, And so it's a a different skill for sure. Like when your choreography is about the same, you just have to remember where exactly you fit in in the bigger picture. Whereas when I arrived here, I mean, the binder of things that I had to memorize was almost a dictionary. so that was certainly one of the, the biggest things that I had to, to do when I got here was just hunker down. Um, and when you're not actually in the rehearsal as the character and you like don't have the words with you all the time, uh, it's, it can be harder for, for those to stick. Um, so I, I definitely did feel at times that I was memorizing in a vacuum a little bit. But of course, by the time I uh, actually stepped into the, the role of Renee, um, thankfully, I, I did have all the words in my head, uh, and I was ready to go. You both worked closely together, you're, uh, not only with this show, but you're both in Ushuaia Blue. Mm-hmm. Has that helped to be working together day and night? For I mean, it's tiresome, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, it, I just get to see the end product and say, wow, these are great shows. You know, I don't see the sausage being made. It's a, it's a, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that I think festival goers don't necessarily get to look at, but this ability to to switch from show one show to the other and be with the same people does that support your work or is that one of the challenges i think it certainly adds to a camaraderie all yeah, around for sure. um because we most people here are in two shows 
um, and not often the same ones. And so like some people will overlap in one show and some people will overlap in the next. And so you kind of get to hear stories from all the rooms, even if you're not in <laughs> in that particular rehearsal. Um, and so, yeah, you, you kind of get to like get a good sense of what's happening all around, even if you don't get to be there all the time. Yeah, I say that's pretty accurate. Plus, uh, we get to share resources like run line apps and how to learn your lines. Thank God for... Absolutely. Yeah, Lori shared this app with me <laughs> that really helped me get all of my lines in my head. So yeah, if it, if it weren't for that, I would not have been ready to step into the role as quickly as I was. Plus, it's helpful to like, if you're juggling multiple shows, to have like a little... A little app to help you learn your lines. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to imagine going from because this there are some very emotional and very serious scenes in Babel. There, there's comedy and there, there's some relief, but I mean, you're both. I feel like emotionally taking us on a journey as the audience, and then to switch and do a different character and do a different show. I mean, for you all, it might just be work, but it looks to me very intimidating. Uh, has that been? Is, is that fun for you or is it just part of the work or is oh, that, is that as stressful Thank God for the other looks? show for me. For me, it's, I'm like, oh, I can, I can shift gears here. Thankfully, this is something I can do today. Because, <laughs> you know, Babel's intense. It is. It is. <laughs> it's an intense play. Um, uh, I mean, I've, yes, of course, it's, it's challenging physically, of course. But I've enjoyed being able to sort of switch gears and, and play around and, focus on something new today that's actually kind of been a kind of been a relief for me to to do Ushuaia in conjunction with Babel I would agree um especially when I was still in the the three different rehearsal rooms um as an understudy especially like someone who's not like actually actively in the rehearsal all the time it was definitely refreshing for me to have something new to walk into all the time yeah also to work with new people, different cast, different director, you know, different creative team. I think, I don't know, It's a, for me it was, it, it, sure, it, it does have its challenges, but it was nice to like s switch it up, mm -hmm. you know, for lack of a better word, and go into a different gear in a different place in a different world, you know, that doesn't feel as, you know, intense as the other one. <laughs> does being able to collaborate with all the, you know, you got a uh, 130 people coming together to make these six brand new plays, actors, directors, playwrights, tech, everybody. Does it, does it help you as an artist to be around these folks and then learn new things from them? Absolutely. 100%. That is the thing that I can take away from this festival is the human beings that I have met here. And it's just been, it's been really lovely to meet as many wonderful artists as I've been in one spot. Um, that's, that's very rare in one location and meet, I don't know, someone from Baltimore who's done this and someone from DC and, um, and all the different designers as well. Our design team is incredibly talented. Um, so I've been really grateful for the, all the different people that I've been able to work with, truly. We already know Karen at least got a great app out of it. I did. Yes. <laughs> oh, perfect oh. app out of it. And I also, um, I I feel like I'm still, I think, fairly um, in, in perhaps maybe uh, in the beginning part of my career. And so being able to witness all the work that was happening in the rehearsal rooms and being able to kind of uh, 
see the work as it happens and see so many different people and their approach to making the work happen. Uh, I really have felt like I've been in kind of like a like a grad school intensive the entire time. I'm always in awe of the talent on the stage at CATF. Uh, you're both no exception. Karen, I, I want to talk about Renee. I feel like she was at such a, a vulnerable and frightening spot when we met her. Uh, how do you bring that to the surface for each performance? Uh, I, I Again, the intensity we talked about a bit, but where, where do you find that? And then really, you seem so insecure and, and, and the same sort of feelings I had when we were waiting for our children to be born. All of that sort of rushed back to me while I was watching you up there. Well, that's great to hear. Um, I I think a lot of it just comes from... Um, in, in the world of Babel, I think Renee is the one that is closest to our timeline. And so whereas she feels a little bit anachronistic in her world, she is someone that we very closely recognize and can empathize with. And it's it's not a stretch for me at all to imagine what she's going through because we're all going through it currently. Um, and just to have her... Um, be grounded in that and and in our reality. And also in, in just that she is a person who just finds herself in a world that is moving a little too fast for her. I'm certain that in the last two years, we've all felt some version of that, whether it was that the, the world was just either too slow or frozen in time or way too fast and like, stop, let me get off, you know? So there's there's so much there that is very relatable for me. And it, it's interesting, you know, and I'm not giving anything away here, no spoilers, because it, it does talk about the the fact that uh, Renee and, and Anne are both expecting in this show. And, you know, Lori, Anne was so excited. That was the first thing that, you know, when we when we hear that news on, on stage, there's just this woohoo. And that was not Renee's experience. So I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your process is how you, you sort mm. of play opposite that. Uh, and and bring that that authenticity to your role. Yeah, you know it's funny because with Anne, I think you know it's easy to be like, oh, she's she's the really extreme one that holds clutches really closely to her ideology and ideals and what's perfect for society and and, and what what the expectations and ideas that she has for her life. But I think the one thing that I think Babel does really well or hopefully that it does really well, is that I think it takes whatever ideologies that we all have and blows them up and says, neither side is 100% correct. And we all clutch to our ideologies and our dogmas. I mean, during this pandemic, people have, have and still have extreme opinions about how things should be done. And if they don't abide by this or that, they are... They are cut off. You're out of the family. You're out. Yeah. But we, I mean, every the last two years have shown that. And so I think Anne, I think Anne's character has a way of showing, hopefully shedding light on, we all have this, we all have this capability and we all have this tendency within ourselves to really hold on and clutch onto our ideas and, and, dogma, and dogmas. And what does that do to, to us, to, to you, to, to everybody? And how uh, to really examine like, oh, you know, maybe ha have, where have I, where have I done that? And how do I do that? And is that healthy? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I think it's true. I think we, 
I think we all have a little bit of Anne in us. <laughs> There's a little bit of Anne in everyone. There's a little bit of Anne in everybody. Well, Laura, you, I, well, but what actually resonates with me about that and about her character is sort of what do you do when your strictly held beliefs or your values are challenged mm-hmm. and suddenly you get the person that I thought was this turns out not to be not that. Not to be that. What do you, how do you respond to right. that? And you, I, I thought, did a very good job of showing us that vulnerability, that that moment of doubt that we all hit and go, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I, I mean, and Anne made her choice, but it's, I thought you did a really good job of showing here's how a human being might react. And that was, that was cool. Oh, it was thank, powerful, yeah, I thought. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, fear and people get scared and, you know, they clutch tightly to their ideas and expectations of things and what happens when that's the response, you know. With uh, with Renee, I got the sense that there was, it, I, I, I felt like she knew what she wanted, but it was that whole, here's what is either needed or society expects of me or, you know, and that's another thing too, where when do you do what you want to do or what you believe is right versus what's expected? Is that something that you were intentionally bringing to the character or is that just my experience? Well, there was something that I um, noticed during our first read through because at at that point I was um, just listening. There was uh, another person who was in the role of Renee um, and from the outside listening to that first read through, I was struck by the idea of how very fragile humanity is um, and how, how these rules and things that we tell ourselves to make our, our kind of security blanket feel a little bit tighter, um, how that can be so restrictive and how it can prop us up in such a way that if it shakes just a little, it all comes tumbling down. Um, and I think that, um, speaks to a little bit of, of Renee's insecurities because just, I think her, her personality is such that she doesn't fully buy into the rules of the society. Um, but she's never had reason to question until now. And so in, in this moment that she's having this crisis, she is being forced to look at all those underpinnings and, uh, finally pick and choose what it is that she wants to stand for. Um, and kind of poking at little Jenga blocks hoping that it's not going to be the one that takes the whole thing down. Wow. Yeah. It, it's a, and it's the sort of situation we're all in right now, which is why this is such compelling theater and such good conversations come from it afterwards. Do you feel like this was a, a, a happy ending and I don't want to spoil what it was, but for each of your characters, mm-hmm. maybe is this, do you see if you, if you said fast forward 10 years from when the show ends, are both your characters happy with, with their choices? That's a good question. I would like to say for Renee that it is, um, if not a happy ending, then at least a, a hopeful beginning because she does have a lot to learn and she she has a, a, a big task on her plate. Um, so she has uh, a lot of things that she's going to have to come to terms with and to kind of come into her own uh, in, in the future to make sure that everything turns out okay. 
Um, so I, I, I definitely think that by the end, it's, it's not so much a, a happy ending as it is a, a hopeful beginning. How about for Anne? I, uh, in terms of whether or not it's a happy ending, I, I think at the end, each character makes their choice ultimately about what it is that they actually want. And those choices come with a set of challenges and repercussions. And they decide whether or not they are willing to live with them or not. For instance, Renee knows it's going to be a challenge. These are going to be the repercussions. And yet I still choose. And I think with Anne, she knows the challenges if the baby isn't perfect. Is she willing to deal with those or is she willing to tooth and nail it through and be like, no, it will be perfect. And I am willing to deal with what those repercussions are for this choice. So whether or not it's happy, <laughs> what's happy? Right. Let's, let's talk about happy. Because when I come back to there's Anne in all of us, let's, let's define that. There's a little bit of Anne in all. What kind, what kind of mothers do you think they'd both be? You, you know these Oof. characters pretty intimately. Oh, are they? Are, are they... <laughs> Oh boy! Are, are these kids rolling their eyes and bomb, or is it you know? Well, who knows? You know, we. I, I mean, children. You can do your best as a parent, but children ultimately turn out to be the humans they are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know, who knows? Maybe Anne won't have control over <laughs> how her child's going to end up being as a human adult. But she, um, she's she's the kind of mom who'd have like an Instagram for her five year old. Oh my god, goodness! Yeah. She, she would curate everything. You know she would. TikTok. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What about Renee? Is she a, a good mom? Do you think if she if if that's the path she cho chooses? I think so. I I mean as as much as uh, you know, such a broad spectrum of what it means to be a good mom. Right. I, I think she is um, going to be very supportive, um, and she. I hope is going to be someone who listens and someone who um, really pays attention to, to what her child needs um, and, and meets them where they are. I hope. Well, one of the lines in there that jumped out at me, and I wanted to ask you about this as people who make art for a living, uh, you know, I talked about the idea of, can there be art with, if there's no imperfection? Mm. So, you know, if every, I can draw, if I drew a, a photo perfect picture of a horse great but you could print that so mm -hmm. i mean again it's not to take away from my technique or my talent but is that art and then do you need some imperfection do you think if, if we weren't all a little bit and could we could we make art effectively do you think that's an important piece of society to have uh to have some imperfection oh, to have right. some people who color outside of the lines absolutely i mean renee has a whole scene that questions that mm-hmm Scene eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, as does Anne. I mean, yeah, one of one of the biggest moments that Anne has is is where she is kind of grappling with what what it means for herself to have even a little bit of imperfection. Yeah. Right. And in fact, I mean, her <laughs> Anne's scrapping for perfection ultimately is her imperfection. Right. <laughs> Well, how many of us you know. do that? I mean, that's, oh, and that's yeah. kind of the what I love about the mirror that's held up is you sort of say, I, I do see a little bit of Anne in myself. I do see a little mm -hmm. bit of Renee. And, you know, in society, sort of what, 
the conversations that come up and when we talk about how we all interact with each other and live together, and then you start to say, where do our values overlap and mm. where, where do we diverge? You know, if Anne and Renee sat down and had an earnest conversation, where would they find out that they're actually really the same? Although mm. at first they seem like very different people to mm. me. And where does that definition of imperfection kind of settle in right. in the in the grand scheme of what society thinks of it, what what the individual thinks of it? You know, the 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 courage to question society, maybe to to society is certainly an imperfection. Mm -hmm. But to the individual, I think it's the most important thing that you can do. Well, all these subjective terms, good, uh, you know, imperfect, the, these things that we throw around and think we have an idea, but but it might not be the same to everybody. And that's what's so powerful about theater. And And one of the things that I enjoy about live theater and being back is this interactive experience. It's not the same any given night or any given performance because there's a whole different group of people experiencing the art firsthand. Is that, ex is that one of the things that um, brings you back to the stage and has had you make a career is, is audience interaction? I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you been recognized around town? Have people been like, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I think bit. so. Yeah. Especially when we're like in like groups and like yes. people clearly recognize that we are the group of people mm -hmm. who are in this show. Involved with CATF. Yeah, a few. I mean, I I've had cast members too where they've been out in town. They've they've had audience members come up and talk to them about their shows and is that a fun experience? And and I say that because I, I could imagine if you're just trying to go out and like, look, I'm just trying to go get like a cup of coffee before my next call. Like I, I just got, but. Uh, Depends there, on what they have to say. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, you, this is your job. You know, we're here to absorb what you're putting out, but it takes effort to put that out. That You're putting a lot of yourself into this, I, I would think. Just, just the energy, if nothing else. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's a very... Um, it's it's a different dynamic for sure to what I'm used to. I, I was in the service industry for a very long time. And so the types of conversations that you have with people who recognize you as the person who works in this restaurant at this bar versus the types of, of conversations and the way that people approach you when they're like, oh, I saw you on stage and like the things that they want to talk to you about. Uh, it's a different dynamic. Uh, and so that's it's an interesting thing for me to kind of clock like, oh, these are very different conversations that I'm having. You're treating me differently than you would have when you <laughs> thought I was the, the waitress or the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> and do you often get a chance to interact as, as an act, actor to interact with audiences that way, one-on-one -on -one or, or sort of chance encounters? Um, not, that's not usual. I think it's just because of the setting and mm -hmm. the environment that we're in. Right. The we, it's more common statistically we're going to run into people who have right. seen the festival there's not that many people there's not in shepherdstown many places to right go. right um and because the dynamic in which we ex coexist here together as artists we're often together and in groups um um but normally it's not as common sure i might run into somebody like on the street or on the subway that may or may not have seen me in something but here i just think I think it's just the environment and the context that mm -hmm. it makes it more of a, it highlights it more. Out of yeah. context is mm -hmm. always different, especially mm -hmm. when there's elaborate sets and costumes and, right. then, you know, you see somebody out and about. So what's next for you? The festival's about to wrap up, but if people, you know, are, are planning some, some other theater outings or are going to be watching some TV or seeing movies or, or either of you have any projects lined up? Oh, what's next for me? I will be heading back home, as I said, 
prior to up to Hudson Valley, my husband and I bought a house upstate. It is circa 1860. Wow. We have a lot of home projects that we are involved in. Right now there is a big hole in our kitchen floor. <laughs> I have to do a lot of weeding. So I will be focusing very much on that when I get <laughs> back because I've been gone actually for one, two, five months, wow. five and a half, because I had a show prior to this in the city. Okay. Um, and uh, I haven't actually been home home in quite some time. And so I'm looking. That's <laughs> looking challenging. It's, it's really hard. Yeah, it's been very challenging. So I'm looking forward to being in my house. So you get some downtime, get yes. caught up on things. Yeah. And then what do you, if you do that for a certain period, do you then say, all right, it's time? Yeah. Like you just know when you need to get back on stage? Yes. Right now I need to regroup and be like, okay, I need to rest mm -hmm. and uh, think about what what's ahead and also just focus on what i need to do at home <laughs> so because i've been gone for so long sure. so yeah yeah and uh karen how about you you got the kennedy center event yes uh so coming up september 23rd at the kennedy center i'm going to be production manager for an event called aapi voices uh which is produced by the asian pacifica arts collective and that's going to be a night of storytelling um, with artists from the local area mostly telling stories about their Asian American experience. Um, and uh, this is actually an annual event that they, that they host with the Kennedy Center. So this is going to be their first time live in two years. That's really fun. So that's and do you both have websites, places people can go to, to follow you? Absolutely. LoriVega.net. <laughs> dot net. Right? Yes. Or you can follow me on Instagram at the Lori Vega. <laughs> Ooh, but stay off of LinkedIn. Not updated yes, that's, regularly. That's not <laughs> totally out of date. Not use that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at kw Karen Lee. Fun, and you know we we do like to keep up a lot of the artists that grace our stage. Come back uh, later on. Uh, I hope both of you will be in that that club at some point if it if it works out uh, and the the right role comes along. Uh, but really, thank you so much for sharing your talents and, and your time with us today and, and all summer here at CATF. Really appreciate that. Okay, so you probably know what we are going to say by now, but if you haven't listened to the complimentary episode of Babble with Jackie Goldfinger, you should put that up next in your queue. But if you have already listened to that episode, then head on over to the Ushuaia Blue series, which repped with Babel in the Marinoff Theater. And as always, we want to give a big shout out to the West Virginia Humanities Council for making this podcast possible. Uh, I was poking around on their website the other day, and they have a really cool program called West Virginia Encyclopedia, and it has a lot of great information on West Virginia. And my favorite thing is their like West Virginia fact of the day of like thing that happened 75 years ago in West Virginia. So you should check out their website. Uh, if you want to poke around on our website, the 2023 Think Ahead Passes are available now, so you can be the first to select your performances for our upcoming season. You can do that at catf.org slash thinkahead. And while you're there, explore the rest of our website. catf.org. Follow us on Facebook. At catf at su. Or you can connect with us on YouTube and Instagram. At Think Theater, and theater is with an E-R. 
And if you were able to, please rate the podcast with five stars. Uh, I know we say it every episode, but it really does help other new people discover the festival so we can welcome them into the CATF family. Thanks again for listening. And remember, if it's not a new play, it's not CATF. Thank you.